Welcome to the Rage for Justice Report. This is Consumer Watchdog's podcast. I'm the president of Consumer Watchdog, Jamie Court. We got a really special guest with us uh, today, uh, this summer, with the help of an, a group of car industry technologists who are whistleblowers and very concerned about the new fleet of cars in 2020 that are connected to the internet. Uh, we produced a report uh, called Kill Switch, talking about the dangers of connected cars and how literally um, there could be a fleet-wide hack when you have a car connected uh, to an internet because the internet connection, the wide area network connection can be hacked. And we showed in this report how it could be done. It got the notice of um, the Senate uh, Commerce Committee, Senator uh, Ed Markey from Massachusetts, who recently asked uh, the National uh, Highway Traffic Safety Administration administrator uh, about it. And uh, with us on the line is one of the technologists who was a leader of the group who put this report forward and who helped us uh, educate America uh, starting in August and maybe over the last fall um, months to understand better that when you buy a car w that you can start from your smartphone, someone else can hack that connection and uh, turn that car off while you're driving or deplete the brakes or deplete the air or inflate the airbag. If you can start your car from your smartphone, someone else can hack that connection. And the findings of the report was not only does the industry need to create a design where there's an air gap between the safety critical systems of a car and this internet connection, which they have yet to do, but also that we need to have in the, in the interim this kill switch that you could put in and literally turn your internet connection off uh, if there ever was a fleet-wide hack, if there was a national emergency uh, and some foreign government managed to hack a fleet of cars and steer them all off the road and we had thousands of fatalities which could happen. So we have uh, a technologist with us, and I'm, I'm going to ask him. He's anonymous, and his voice is distorted because his employers would uh, certainly uh, not allow him to keep his job if they knew he was on uh, this podcast with us. But I'm going to ask him why he got involved in the Kill Switch report and what have been some of the developments uh, since we issued that report in August to prove that it's more important than ever. What, what have we seen with, with hacks that have just materialized in the last few months? Well, Jamie, um, thank you very much for having me on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Um, why, why am I involved with this? Yeah, very simply, this is a matter of public safety, and it's not just you know that; it's very personal as well. Um, you know, I, I drive my car every day. I've got kids that I put in the backseat of that car, and I'm concerned about their safety, and I'm concerned about. Uh, you know, our, our, our country, this, this is a very, very serious issue, and it's one that isn't very obvious that uh, it's a problem um, because uh, it's not the kind of thing that we'll see growing in severity over time. It's the kind of thing where when there's an attack, it's going to happen all at once, and uh, it's going to catch us off guard. And so we need to be thinking about it now. We need to be aware of the risks now. We need to be preparing ourselves now. What, what in the last couple of months uh, has been, you know, on the record that, that, that add to what we documented in the report? What type of hacks and events have happened with which type of car models that show that, you know, with the right resources, a hacker can take over a, a fleet of cars and uh, cause havoc? Um, well, the most interesting thing that happened was just after the publication of the report, uh, a group from uh, China, uh, a group of cybersecurity researchers, 
uh, presented a paper at the Black Hat Security Conference in Las Vegas, um, where they uh, showed how in 2018, a year ago, a little more than a year ago, uh, they were able to hack into an entire fleet of BMW cars and demonstrate vulnerabilities in, in those cars. But uh, in terms of actual hacks that have happened since then, um, actually, Charlie Miller, who's very famous in car hacking circles, he was one of the uh, researchers behind the famous uh, Jeep hack in 2015. Uh, he posted on Twitter uh, just before Christmas uh, his annual roundup of car hacking in 2019, and uh, he reported that there were zero incidents, uh, which which is interesting. Um, well, and also and not true. It's not true. There's no malicious hacks, but there have been the BMW hack. There was a Tesla hack. There have been hundreds of bug bounty problems. How, how does he define a hack that would be different than what we're seeing with these papers? Exactly. He took a fairly narrow definition of hacks. Okay. He was looking and a lot of people on Twitter jumped on him over this. Uh, he took a fairly narrow definition saying that it had to be uh, something where somebody attacked the car uh, remotely and uh, something that could be scaled up to affect uh, lots and lots of cars. Uh, you know, he's, he's really looking at the most serious kinds of cyber attacks, but there have certainly been numerous, numerous incidents of uh, uh, you know, key fob cloning attacks and things like that that allow people to steal cars and people demonstrating uh, vulnerabilities. Well, what's the, co- I, what's the cost? Actually- what's the cost of that BMW hack? Because it, 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 what, what the, the, the kill switch paper pointed out, uh, and, and Miller was critical of it, he's like, if you put a kill switch in a car, you know, we're not going to be able to do over-the-air updates to fix the software if there's a bug. And I think the point of the report, which he misread, is we need a switch until there's a permanent air gap fix to turn off the car in the aftermath of a national emergency, not proactively, just so we can get the cars back on the road. Because if we don't have a way to turn them off, how are we going to get driving again if we've just experienced a 9-11 type uh, fleet hack with a thousand or more deaths? But, but Miller works now for the industry, for, a comp- for, one of the, for the company trying to fix the problem from the inside. I, I think he's not recognizing that when BMW has you know, four engineers working uh, on a problem in China for a significant time, yeah, it takes money and it takes time. And, and when it happens, it's going to be big and it's going to be bad. And you only need one of those to wake your eyes up to it. So, so what do you well, estimate the cost of doing something like that is? And who's the most likely uh, group of people to do that? You're asking exactly the right question here, Jamie, uh, because when you're trying to evaluate a cybersecurity threat, you need to ask, who are we defending against? Who's the concern? Uh, How much money is it going to take to do this? And I think we've hit an interesting turning point in the industry. When Charlie Miller uh, performed the hack on the Jeep in 2015, uh, he was doing that on a grant from DARPA, uh, basically from the military's uh, research uh, agency. They were concerned about this kind of thing as well. And uh, we, we don't know the exact details, but it was about an $80,000 grant. Now, if you look at the BMW hack that was announced at uh, Black Hat at the conference this summer, um, I would 
estimate based on the number of people involved, the amount of time that it took, uh, that it probably cost between one and two million dollars to um, come up with those vulnerabilities and find a way to exploit them. So that's that's a when you talk about that kind of money, that's that's a that's a well-resourced hacker. What are the most likely sources of that type of attack? Well, well, exactly. I mean, you know, who has that kind of money? Terrorist groups can get that kind of money. Uh, state actors certainly uh, have that kind of money. But more to the point, small independent researchers don't have that kind of money. And I think that's why we're seeing a decline. You know, after seeing, um, uh, you know, a couple of uh, major hacks in 2015, uh, Tesla's getting hacked in 2016 and 2017, BMWs in 2018, I, I think we're going to see a decline in these kinds of things happening. And that means that we're entering a very dangerous phase right now because the auto industry and the public at large are going to feel a false sense of security. We don't see researchers anymore with the kind of funds that it takes to uh, perform these kinds of attacks. It's only the most dangerous people who are doing this. Like Iran, like Iran, you know, Iran, one of its first retaliations against America was to uh, hack the uh, federal depository uh, website, the book depository website and deface a picture of of Donald Trump. Uh, You know, cyber warfare is is the future. Recently, Senator Markey uh, of the Commerce Committee put some questions to uh, the NITS administrator specifically about our kill switch report. And he asked why are you not uh, responding, uh, you know, to a letter that was written uh, by me and my colleague, uh, Senator uh, Blumenthal, uh, earlier, uh, answering whether or not you knew about these um, malicious hacks mentioned to investors in a Ford report. A Ford had told its investors that there was a malicious hack, but apparently didn't tell NHTSA. And subsequently, uh, what do you do about it? Uh, and the NIST administrator was real dodgy in his answer. Uh, I know you heard this testimony, uh, Owens, uh, and, and he said his tools are to do a recall, and like we did with after the original Charlie Miller hack. But we know there have been hacks since then, and there have been no recalls. Isn't there a contradiction here uh, between what NIST is saying it's doing to protect us and the fact that we know these companies are telling they're investors. There's a very high uh, level, level of, of threat because they don't want to be liable when it happens. And Ford has even gone on the record and said there was a malicious hack. And NHTSA said, well, we don't know about it in, in, in a follow-up letter. What do you make of all that? Well, absolutely, there's a contradiction. If you listen closely to Director Owen's words in response to Senator Markey in the hearing, He says every computer is potentially vulnerable to cybersecurity risk. Um, This is the director of NHTSA who's saying this. And we know these cars are highly computerized. And here he is in public in front of a Senate committee uh, telling the world that every computer is potentially vulnerable. And uh, this is true. I can tell you as somebody who has been in the industry uh, for practically my entire life, this is absolutely true. Um, and then later, he goes on to say that if there's a cybersecurity incident or a risk that can affect safety, they would conduct a recall. So absolutely, there's a contradiction here. Um, he's acknowledging that the computers in these cars are vulnerable, that he knows it, 
And we know because it's been demonstrated that subverting these computers can lead to dangerous situations where the cars can be controlled remotely. Um, and uh, yet there's been no recall. And there's been so, no public reporting yeah, either. I mean, the public doesn't know about it. Uh, it's not even clear Nitsen knows about it. The public wasn't told, uh, only through the report that we wrote. So, so where do we where do we go yeah. from here? Last question: Where do we go from here? What what do, what do we do now? We know Nitz is asleep at the switch, uh, you know, and we know that the industry's uh, yet to uh, engage and 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 come up with a structure that allows it to, uh, which is pretty easy, if but a design that would allow it to air gap uh, the safety critical systems that breaks the engines from the internet connection, because they want to sell all these cool new features like starting your car on your smartphone. What do we do as 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 consumers and as an society society now that we know that the fleets of cars are all connected online? They're not safe uh, by and large. I mean, there may be a model or two here that is safer than another. But what do we do? What do we do uh, going forward? What's the next step? The most important thing for people to realize is that while this is about features and this is about technology. It's also about control. It's about when you buy a car, when you pay, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. And for many people, this is the most significant purchase they'll ever make. Who controls that vehicle? Who, who really owns that vehicle? You go back a decade. If you buy a car, it's your car. You drive it. You control it. When you're sitting in the driver's seat, you get to decide, does it go left? Does it go right? Does it start? Does it stop? But now, today, with these cars, with the computers that control them, accessible from outside, it's no longer the consumer who is in control of the car. It is the automakers because they want control. It is big data because they want the information that that car knows about you. And by virtue of that connection, it's also potentially hackers and other people who have uh, nefarious plans who want to cause damage. And it's true, so, even even when you drive the car, isn't it, that you're not in control because uh, if you step on the brake at the wrong time, the computer will override your decision. There are semi-autonomous exactly, features in cars exactly now right. where, and the, where the computer is in charge that we don't even realize. And theoretically, they're smarter than us, but one day it's, they're not, it's going to be shown they're not always smarter and someone will die. But in this case, we're talking about the consequence of, of that uh, automation and the Internet connection that comes with it, because there is a safe way to do this. You, you can have computerization in your car, but the car doesn't have to be connected to an insecure wide area network like the Internet, right? Absolutely right. It can be done better, but pressure needs to be put on the car companies to get them to do that. And then in the near time, in the near term, we need to bring control back to the consumer. If you think about every other internet connected consumer device that you own, you have the choice to connect it or not. You know, smart TVs, you don't have to connect them to your Wi-Fi. And most will work as normal TVs. Your smartphone, you can put it in um, airplane mode and uh, continue to operate it and know that Nobody's going to be tracking you. Nobody's going to be downloading new software to your phone. Um, but cars don't come with that option. It's not something that people are asking for, and uh, the industry is claiming people don't want it. Well, that's not true. 
uh, people do want to remain in control. And when they realize, when the public realizes just how out of control they are in their cars, which are rolling down the highway at uh, 65 miles per hour, uh, I, I think they would demand a change. But people just don't realize it. Well, I, I think uh, what, what it's called is the right to disconnect. Uh, that's going to be a future movement in this country uh, as long as we all keep working together to make that happen. So thank you for joining us today. We'll talk again soon. Thank you very much, Jamie. I appreciate it. And thank everybody for listening. This is uh, the Rage for Justice report from Consumer Watchdog. You can download our podcast and subscribe to it. All the usual places you get podcasts is Apple Store, Google Play, SoundCloud. And tune in every week, every Friday, for the Justice Report, Rage for Justice Report. Thanks.